All right, good morning, church. How are we doing today? It's great to see all of you, and it's a, it's a privilege and a joy to be here with you. We're continuing in uh, the study of Colossians that we've been doing, so you can turn in your Bible to Colossians chapter 1. How many of us as, as Christians, uh, if you're a follower of Jesus, how many of you would say, man, I'd love to pray with greater power, with greater effectiveness, with greater consistency, uh, with greater joy, uh, with greater desire? Does anybody in that boat here today, right, like all of us? So everybody has that desire. I don't think there's anybody that is like, man, I am just crushing it when it comes to prayer. Like I could get no better and I should be lecturing, right? So I'm really excited about this because as I was preparing this sermon and studying this scripture, it, it tangibly changed something for me over this past week that as I studied what it said here, I began to apply it into my own life and into my own prayers and it began to change the way that I was praying for people this week. And so I hope as we explore it together that the same will happen to you. And, and so that's why I want you to write some things down so you can see even over the course of this sermon how maybe your, your way of thinking might change a little bit. And so what I'm going to do, this is the workshop activity for everybody. I want you to think of someone who you would like to pray for this morning. And I'm going to ask that it be somebody who would profess to be a follower of Jesus. So uh, we all have uh, people who, who don't follow Jesus that we pray for regularly and, and in our family and stuff. And, and it does apply in some ways to them, but this is going to apply most clearly and best to somebody that you know who's a follower of Jesus. So it could be a spouse, it could be a child, it could be a parent, it could be a friend, it could be somebody here at church, it could be a public figure, it doesn't really matter. But, but think of somebody specific. Uh, the more specific you get with this, the more helpful it's going to be uh, to you. So, so think of this person that you want to pray for, and I want you to write their name down at the top of the, the page there. And I just want you to think about, if I give you, uh, you know, 90 seconds, two minutes here to pray for that person this morning, what, uh, what would the prayer sound like? What, what would it look like? How would you pray for this person that you care about, that is a follower of Jesus, and you're praying for them? What are some of the elements that are going to make their way into that prayer? What, what would that prayer be? So just take a moment and maybe jot down, bullet point some of those things. Uh, it might be awkward because they might be sitting right next to you, and you might be praying like, I wish they would take more showers, or whatever it is, but, right? So bullet point out, hopefully it's a little deeper than that, uh, bullet point out, like, just what are some of the ways that you would pray for somebody that you care about, th this specific person that you're, that you're thinking of, and, um, and just write some of those down, and... As you're doing that, if you would be so bold, I'd love for a couple of you just to, to call out, what are some of the things that you wrote down? What are some of the ways that you're praying about for this person that you care about? What, what did you write down? Trust, good. Strength? Strength to do God's will in their life, good. What else? Closer to God, very good. I'm going to say good no matter what you say, so don't, don't get afraid. Lynn, grateful for them. Yes, thank God for them as a person. Good. Peace, healing, good. Conviction of the heart, good, good. Recognize blessings, gratitude. Man, you guys, I don't even have to preach the sermon. You guys, <laughs> you're hitting a lot of good ones, which this is good. This is going to reinforce, right? Um, so that's good. That's a good sampling of, of things. You know, typically when we pray for somebody um, that, that we care about, uh, we're praying circumstantially for them. We know what's going on in their life. We know the things, and we're praying for, uh, for provision. We're praying for comfort. We're praying for security. We're praying for protection. We're praying for their health. Uh, we're praying for their success. Uh, we're praying, uh, you know, for all these sorts of things, right? And those are all good things uh, that we absolutely want to be bringing before the Lord. So in no way am I saying, now take that piece of paper and throw it away, right? That's not what I'm saying to you this morning. But what I'm saying is that uh, Paul workshops for us here this incredible prayer that we can learn 
and take things even in a different, uh, a different direction, come at it from a different angle, uh, pray possibly even maybe a deeper way uh, for the good of the people that we care about. And that's what we want to look at, and that's what we want to learn today. So, so keep in mind those things that you wrote down, and some of those are going to flow in very well with exactly what we're talking about today. Some of them uh, might be going in a, light, a little different direction, and Lord willing, you'll come out of it with even uh, some more tangible and specific ways about praying for that person. You know, sometimes uh, when we think about our prayers, the, the problem with our par- prayers is sometimes that they're just too weak and they're unstructured. We might ask for too little, or we might ask for the wrong things. Um, and so we want to think about if God were to pour his favor out on that person that we're praying for, what would that look like? What would his favor poured out on this person that you care about who follows him? If he were to just pour his blessings and favor out on them, what would that look like? And obviously that's, that's how we would want to pray for them, right? So, so let's take that idea and now let's apply it to the text that we're looking at. And we're looking in Colossians 1. Last week we looked at verses 1 through 8. We got a little historical detail. And so the Cliff Notes version is this. Paul, the, uh, the apostle, was writing to this church with these people that he's never met. He preached the gospel to this guy, Epaphras. Epaphras took it to his hometown. He preached the gospel there. People started to follow Jesus. They formed a good gospel-centered church that was founded on the true gospel, and, and things were going really well. And then some false teachers came in and said, hey, you guys got a good start, but if you want to go next level, then you need to do these extra things. You need to, to do these ceremonies and observe these rituals and do these feasts, and you need to, you need to uh, uh, go through like these uh, rituals where you don't partake of these other things. And so they were trying to take them to this deeper level of knowledge and experience of God. And Epaphras said, man, this, is, this isn't right. And so he went to Paul, shared with Paul what was going on. And Paul writes this letter, which we now have in the Bible, to this church to encourage them and say, hey, no, listen, what Epaphras told you, that was the true gospel. Stay with what you learned. Don't veer off course. Stay with what you've been doing. Stay in the truth of the gospel. And last week we looked at how they were driven by the hope that they had. Their hope was set in the future in Jesus and, and being reunited with the Father because of Jesus, and that gave them the power to live with love today, right? So, okay, so that's the background. You can wipe the glaze off now, right? For everybody that's zoned out right there, and we're coming into the, to, to the pertinent scriptures for today. So, beginning in verse 9, it says this, And so from the day that we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So there's a ton that's packed into those few sentences there, into that prayer. And, and the danger here, and, and maybe you guys are more spiritual than I am, but, but when I'm reading, let's say if, if I'm reading in Colossians this week, a lot of times I'll come to it and I'll be like, okay, greeting, I'm Paul, I'm Timothy, we're writing, I'm going to pray for you guys, good. All right, let's get to the meat. Like, what, what's, what's he really trying to tell me? And so we can gloss over the prayer. It's like, you know, when somebody comes and you're like, hey, could you pray for, for dinner? And they're like, oh, yes. Gracious and mighty God, creator of the universe and hurricanes and earthquakes and sea turtles and volcanoes, right? And you're like, okay, get to the point, right? Like sometimes we zone out on what's, and all those things are true, but you're just like, all right, come on, let's see, what, what are you really getting at, right? We can't do that here. 
we have to zone in that what every every word is so well crafted in this prayer and if we if we dig into it and we see how he's praying for these christians that he cares about and he loves and he's praying something very specific for them and if we listen to it and grab a hold of it it's going to change the way that we pray for the people that we love and we care about and so what we see uh from a big high level view what we see is that he prays for two things for them he prays for knowledge and he prays for power and this is a very specific reason for doing this is because this is exactly what these false teachers were coming in they were saying like hey you guys got a good start but we can give you a deeper knowledge we can give you greater power if you will follow our teachings if you'll listen to what we say if you'll do what we say we'll give you a deeper knowledge of god we'll give you this access to this power that you can't access right now and what paul is saying is hey they're right you need deeper knowledge and you need greater power but they come from god they don't come from any man's religious schemes or programs or or uh, nobody's going to take you into that. if you want that go to the father and ask him for it he's the one who can give it to you don't don't get sidetracked down one of these false things and so so the prayer is overall about knowledge and power but it's it's a knowledge that changes the way that we live uh sometimes knowledge can just uh, seem superficial at night uh, sometimes lately, I didn't used to do this, but lately I've been uh, upstairs. We don't have cable, so we have just one of those like little square antenna boxes, and we just get whatever channels come over the air. And so it's broken into thirds. There's a third of like the normal channels, ABC, NBC, and stuff. And then there's a third that is all Spanish channels. And then there's a third that is religious channels. That's kind of like what we've got. And so at night, I'll get in there, and I'll kind of start flipping through the dial, and I've been hanging out on the religious channels more lately. And a lot of times, I feel like when I'm watching them, I get a perspective of what it's like to not be a Christian, because I look at it, and it's so foreign to me. I'm like, I don't know what's going on here. It's kind of like a train wreck that I have to keep watching. Uh, but a lot of times they're talking about stuff that professes to have this incredible knowledge, but you listen and you're like, I don't know what they're talking about, and I'm not really sure that it has any value whatsoever. Um, it's, it's not going to change the way that I live. And that's not how Paul is talking. He's talking about deep um, knowledge that, that changes the way that we live. A few uh, months ago, uh, Trina's fake cousin Abby. She has a. Some of you guys have fake cousins too, right? He's like you grow up with them. They're like relatives, but there's no blood connection whatsoever. But but you treat them like a cousin. And so she was coming to visit us. She lives in Alaska. She met this guy in Alaska, and he was flying into Philly. And she's like, oh, I'm excited for you to meet this guy. I think he's the one. I think we're gonna get married. So she's like, Ezra, I really want you to, you know, what deep theological questions do you have for him? You know, really grill him and. And, uh, and this is one of my better pastoral moments. I don't have many, so I got to brag about this, right? But, but I was like, well, you know, I was like, I'm not really interested in his deep theology. I'm more interested in his surface theology. Like, I don't care what he, he thinks deeply about. I, I care about what's making its way to the surface in his life. I care about what theology does he have that he's actually practicing. That was pretty good, right? I was like, I should uh, tweet that out or something. But first, I got to activate my Twitter account. So, um, <laughs> my three-year-old daughter laughed at that. She has no idea what I'm talking about. That's great. My point in all this is that, that he's talking about a knowledge that, that makes a difference, that works its way to its, the surface of our life, that changes the way that we live. It's not just like, oh, wow, I learned a really interesting fact. It's like I'm living differently. And like I told you guys, I changed the way I prayed after I studied this passage this weekend. So my hope is that this is going to be knowledge that is going to be uh, tangible for you. And so let's look at the first thing that he talks about is he prays that they would be filled with knowledge of God's will. And so I want to look at two things. I want to look at why and I want to look at how. And so for the first question, if, if we pray that, if you think about that person that you wrote down on your paper, you're praying for them that they would be filled with the knowledge of God's will. And that even came out in some of the, somebody shouted that out, right? Why do we want them to know God's will for their life? 
Why, why, why do we want them to know what God's will is? It's, it's really, most of the time, if we're honest, it's like, because I don't want to do it the hard way, right? <laughs> I don't want to go through any unnecessary pain or discomfort. I kind of want to have the easy path. I want to be on the lazy river of life. And so, so God, I just want to know how the, the stream is flowing so I can get in there and I can, I can prosper and I can do well and I can experience blessing and abundance and I don't want to experience any difficulty or trials. And um, it's really for our benefit um, and so that we can live a simpler, easier, better uh, more joyful life most of the time, or for the person that we're praying for, that they would experience that, that same thing as well. But what, what Paul says is really fascinating. He says three things. There's three reasons why we want to be within God's will, right? We want to walk in a manner that's worthy and pleasing of the Lord. He says that we want to bear fruit in every good work, and that we want to increase in the knowledge of God. Nothing about being comfortable, nothing about succeeding, nothing about life being easy, he says you want to walk in a manner worthy and pleasing of God. Now, we're good at identifying when other people don't do this. If you go on Facebook and you're like, man, that person said uh, they're a Christian, but look what they're watching, look what they're wearing, look what they're posting, look what, right? We, we can very easily critique them or celebrities uh, that would profess to have a faith in Christ. We look at, we, we kind of nitpick everything that they do, but we are much more generous with ourselves. We're like, well, we can justify how we're acting because we know where that came from, right? But, but are we living in a manner that's worthy and pleasing. It's not about us. It's about God. The reason I want to know God's will is so that I can do what pleases him. It's not so that I can get what I want. It's so that I can do what he wants. Bearing good fruit. I mean, isn't this ultimately what we want? We want to feel fruitful. We want to feel like we've done something that's making a difference, that's accomplishing something, that, that it wasn't a waste, that it wasn't all for naught. We're going to find out a little bit about that later on this afternoon. The eagles moved heaven and earth uh, to get this uh, Division One AA quarterback <laughs> uh, named Carson Wentz, right? And they thought they were going to have a year to find out whether that experiment planned out, but they're going to find out today. They're going to get a glimpse of whether it was worth everything they gave up to get this guy because he's starting today. And, and most Eagles fans don't really necessarily care whether they win or lose today. That's a, that, that's, they want him to win, but they just want to see that this guy is special. They want to see that he's got it, that he can do something that's going to give them a hope for the future. They want to see that there's going to be some fruit of the efforts that they've invested into this. And we're the same way in our, in our life, right? We want to feel like whatever it is, whether it's in our Christian life, if we're in ministry, if it's, if it's in our jobs, if it's at school, we want to feel like we did something and it made a difference. We don't want to feel like it was a waste. And God says, uh, or Paul says here, we want you to know God's will so that you can be fruitful. And the third thing is that we want to increase in the knowledge of God. And this is what it's really all about. We look at this all the time. Uh, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' greatest sermon, he says, hey, there are going to be those that come to me and say, didn't we cast out demons and perform miracles and signs and do all this in your name? And he'll say what? Away from me. I never knew you. So you might do all the stuff, but if you don't know him, doing without knowing is of no value. In fact, it's dangerous because it might trick you into thinking that you know him. And so what Paul says is, I want you to know the will of God so that you will know God himself. So that's why, that's our motivation for doing it. That's why we would pray for someone else to know God's will. Now, how do we do it? Well, it's not explicit in this passage, but when you, when you, when you study uh, the Bible, when you, when you study other things, you, most people point to four ways that God kind of reveals his will. Uh, the first, the preeminent, the most important one is through his uh, revealed word, Right? If you want to know God's will, this is the, the place to start, right? He's revealed a lot of his will in Scripture. It's, it's written down. It's captured. It's, it's solid. 
And any other way that he reveals his will to you is not going to contradict his will as revealed in his word, right? Some of the other ways is, is through our, our desires and circumstances. You might say, all right, man, I, I got this job offer. Got it. Are you opening a door here? Did you orchestrate that to open this door for me to go through? I kind of want to do it. Maybe this is you revealing your will. Maybe it's not. Uh, and so you check into it. It's, it's less certain, but that's one of the ways that, that God will open doors. He'll close doors. He'll, he'll shut opportunities. He'll open opportunities. Um, we went through the home buying process last year. It's, it's a lot of that. It's like, God, is this your will? It looks like it could be. I don't know. It's, a, it's available. It's in the price range. Is this the one? And you pray and you, and you hope and you, you don't violate anything in the Bible. And, and, and you do your best to, to hope that that's it and look for God to continue to affirm that. You look to other believers, people who've lived through it, following Jesus, and they can come in and say, hey, listen, I've been through something similar to you. Here, let me share with you what God taught me in that season. And he, and he leads and guides us and directs us in that way. So, so through his word, through experiences and desires, uh, through other believers, and finally through prayer, by having a conversation with God and say, God, what's your will? I want to know. I, speak to me. Show me. Impress upon me what it is. What, it, what is your desire, right? And so all these different ways are ways of how we can know God's will. And so we're getting more and more specific into the prayer. It goes from this, this kind of ethereal out there thing to a very specific thing. And so let's get one level deeper, and that's it. I promise you, this is the deepest we're going with this today, right? But, but the last one, we said why, we said how, now let's like actually look at it. So, okay, I know that I, the reason that I want to know God's will is so that I can walk in a manner that's worthy of him. How do I do that? Well, I read his word. Okay, what does his word actually say about walking in a manner that's worthy of him? Let me give you one example, and there are many, many, many examples in the Bible. But if you look in 1 Timothy chapter 2, uh, you can turn there in your Bible or else it'll be on the screen here. First, first Timothy uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 4 says, First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires that all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Well, man, in just a few verses there, there's a ton packed in there about how to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. And one of the most convicting ones for us in this season that we're in with our country, right, with, with politics, is that it says that we should be praying for kings and all leaders, the people that are put in positions of power over us, that we should be praying for them and seeking for them to know God's will. Uh, there's an exactly a 100% chance that I will be unhappy with the elected candidate a few months from now, right? <laughs> I don't like the options. But I don't get to just sit on the sidelines for the next four years and complain and be bitter and, and point my finger and say, I told you so. The, the Bible says that if I want to please God, I have to pray for that person. I have to say, hey, whatever the result ends up being, uh, that's, that's what we get, and we need to pray for that person to know God's will and to come to a knowledge of his truth and, and to be shaped from where they are to where he wants them to be and to, to, to lead our country in a way that he would desire it to go. We should be praying for our current president that way, that, that, that we're called, even when we disagree, uh, to be praying for this person who's in this position of power, right? That's a convicting thought. It says that, that he desires that all people be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Okay, well, that's going to lead to some action. That's, that shows me something about how to live a life that's pleasing to God because what's pleasing to God is that all people would hear the gospel and respond to it. And so I have a role to play. So, man, just coming out of those four verses, there's a bunch of real tangible actions that I can take where God's will has been revealed and I can apply that specifically into my life where the person that you're praying for could apply that into their life, right? Let's look at another example. We know that we want to know God's will so that we can bear fruit. Let me take you to one of my favorite passages in Scripture. This is 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. 
and it's long, and I'm not going to preach it, but I'm just going to share it with you, right? Uh, it says this, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Cliff Notes version, Jesus has granted us everything because of his power, because of what he's done. It's all laid out before us. The promises, the power, the strength, it's been given to us as a gift, right? But what's it say in verse 5? For this very reason, because Jesus has done all that for you, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, virtue with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfastness, steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and they are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective, here's the word, or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Man, that's an awesome passage. I love it. It's, it's my all-time favorite. In fact, it was, it was the very first passage I ever preached. And then Paul Lee, who I went to elementary school with, when he had an opportunity to preach any passage in the whole Bible, chose the exact same passage uh, to preach the, for the first sermon. So there's something in this passage. Dig into it. At least if you're from Spring Grove, Pennsylvania, that's, there's something powerful in here for you, right? But as I look at this, I say, okay, I, I want to know God's will so that I can bear fruit. Well, man, this says a lot. It says, first of all, that I need to rest in what Jesus has done for me. It's anchored in that. It's rooted in that. But it also says that I need to make every effort uh, to have steadfastness and faithfulness and, and, and love and self-control. And I need to work at these, and I should see these things growing in my life. And if I do that, then I'm going to have a confidence in my salvation. I'm going to know that I'm saved. I'm going to know that I'm chosen and, and called by God to be his own. And that's going to give me growth. And then I'm going to see fruit born in other areas of my life, right? So, so a really practical way to bear fruit. I know God's will. God's will is revered, revealed really clearly here to me, and I just got to walk in it. Let me give you one more. I, I, wa I want to know God's will uh, because I want to know God. I want to actually know him. And so I'm praying for someone, Lord, help them to know your will so that they can know you. What, what does that specifically look like? What does that tangibly look like? Well, let's take a look at John chapter 14. In it, Jesus says, uh, verse 18 to 24, I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come to you. Yet a little while now, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas not Iscariot. He's like, guys, just want you to know, not Iscariot, okay? Different Judas, to be clear. Said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear 
is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Now, that's a complex passage. It's rich. There's depth in there. There's a lot going on, but I can take a couple simple things away, right? It's, there's a real clear connection between hearing God's word and obeying it. That's the way that we demonstrate our love for him. That's the way that we show that we love him. And, and he says that when we do that, when we're obedient to his word, that, uh, that he will abide with us, that he'll dwell with us, that he'll be with us, that we'll know each other. You know the people that live in your home, right? Like proximity leads to, to knowledge of one another, at least to some extent. So if we want to know God, one of the keys that comes out of here, if we want to know him more deeply, is obeying his word. And so it's all kind of circular, right? It drives back down to the same thing. Like, I want to know God's will. How do I know God's will? By reading his word. What's his will? For me to know his word, right? And so, so it's just reinforcing that the way to God is through his word. Okay, is that, that, that's some practical things, right? So now I want you to go back to your paper. I want you to go back to the person that you wrote down and, and that initial prayer, and you threw out some bullet points for that person that you were praying for. And in light of what we just talked about, uh, how, would you, how would you maybe adjust that prayer? How would you pray a little bit more deeply or a little bit more richly for them, right? You might come along and say, man, I, I prayed about this. Maybe they're a student in school, and now you're saying, man, God, I pray as they go to school this year that they would know your will for them there. I pray that as they're, as they're doing it in a, in, a, in a campus where a lot of crazy things are going, I pray that they would walk in a manner that's worthy of you, that they'd be obedient to your word. God, I pray that they would bear fruit among their classmates. I pray that they would live in a way that, uh, that love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control well out of them because of the Holy Spirit living in them. I pray that they would come to know you as they're, as they're off on their own and, and they don't have people around them that they know so well. I pray that they would know you more richly and deeply by digging into your word, right? becomes a more powerful, multi-layered, deep, comprehensive prayer that kind of can adjust to any situation because that's what we want for anyone that we love. This is what we want for them, right? I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm guilty, so I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm preaching to myself here as much as anyone else that my prayers can be weak and superficial. And, and sometimes we teach our kids, you know, the, we, uh, we do a prayer with Abby right now. It's called thank you for, right? <laughs> Dear God, thank you for, and she'll be like, daddy. I'm like, yes, good one, right? But sometimes we don't move on beyond that, right? Sometimes we've got to go beyond saying, God, thank you for this person. But God, I pray for them. I pray into their life. And not just for the, you know, that they would be comfortable and that they would be healthy and that they would have prosperity and they would have success. But God, I pray that they would know your will. I pray that they would bear fruit and they would know you and they would walk in a manner worthy of you. So the first thing, knowledge. I need knowledge. You guys say that with me? Say, I need knowledge. Okay, for all you guys that didn't say it, you don't know that you need knowledge. So now you got to say, I need knowledge to know that I need knowledge to know that I need knowledge, right? We all need knowledge. We need knowledge. The second thing that he knew that they needed was power. And this one is even more fascinating than the second one. Because you think about, God, I'm praying for your power in my life. If you pray for your, your pow God's power in your life or in the life of someone else, God, I pray that this person would have your power in their life. Typically, why would you pray that? What are you hoping to get? You want your way, right? We want control. <laughs> we want to exact revenge. <laughs> we want supernatural abilities. Uh, we want uh, the ability to control the situation. That's typically why we would pray for power. What is Paul saying here? Paul says, I pray that they would be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for endurance and for patience with joy. Endurance and patience with joy. That's not what you would have expected, right? related to God's power. And so the Cliff Notes version of it is this. God, I'm praying that they would know your will and that they would do your will. And I know that when they know your will and they start to do your will, that they're going to experience trial. 
They're going to experience difficulty, that it's not going to be easy. It's going to be difficult. And so I pray that you would give them your power so that they could endure through it, that they wouldn't give up. And they would be patient because your timing is different than their timing. But I pray that they would have joy, that they wouldn't lose heart, that they wouldn't become discouraged, that they wouldn't just trudge through life, but they could do it with joy. Man, that's a deep and powerful prayer. And it, it resonates in our life, right? That's what it looks like. When you seek to do God's will, your life immediately gets harder. You stop going with the flow of the world, just kind of going along with the spirit of the age, and you start to set uh, your eyes on Jesus and pursuing him, you're going to meet resistance. It's not going to be an easy path. But we can have joy in the midst of it. And that's what he prays for. What you think about it this way? Let's say you, you hired me to be your personal trainer because you'd be like, that guy clearly knows what he's doing, right? So I'm going to have him come over. And, uh, and so I come over to your house, and I was like, hey, I'm glad you invited me over. Step number one, let's pick up that remote and let's turn on the TV, right? We sit on your couch for an hour, and at the end of the hour, I get up, and I'm like, okay, that'll be $60. Do you want a, a check, cash? I, I can take whatever you want, right? You look at me, you'd be like, get out of my house. <laughs> I hired you to be my personal trainer, and all we did was watch TV, I wanted you to make me sweat. I wanted you to make me struggle. I wanted you to make me uh, find out where my limits were so I could go past my limits. That's what a personal trainer does, right? I think so. I've never had one, but I think that's what they do. It's the same way with God. If we pray, God, I want to know your will so I can do it, then we can't get upset with him when it gets difficult. We can't say, God, what? I, you know, I thought I, thought, I, thought I was signing up for the, the cruise, right? I thought, I, I thought this was going to be spoon-fed to me. No, when we come to God and we say, God, I want your will, then we've got to be prepared to endure. But the good news is, is that he gives us his power and his strength to endure. That's what he does. It's available to us if we'll seek it, if we'll look for it, and we can pray that for the people around us. It's a dangerous prayer, but it's a powerful prayer. Uh, listen, to there's a couple scriptures that, that reinforce and drive this home. Going through that same thing, you know, the wise for endurance of power. How we do it, we, we, we look to God's strength as revealed in his word. And look at what it says in Romans chapter 5, uh, verses 1 through 5. This is an awesome scripture. It says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's awesome. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into his grace in which we stand. That is awesome. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Man, this is awesome, right? Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. What? <laughs> right? Somebody turned the page. Well, that sounded really awesome, but all of a sudden, what? We rejoice in our sufferings? Knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. See how so many of the themes tie together here? It says, God, I want to know your will, and your will is going to lead me into trial, and it's going to be difficult, uh, but I can rejoice even in that because that's going to give me endurance, and endurance is going to lead to character. Well, that's what I knew your will was driving me to walking in a manner that's worthy and pleasing of you. And so the way that you get me there is through enduring through trials. That's how I develop that character that's, that's worthy and pleasing of you, and that's how I bear fruit for your kingdom, and that's how I come to really know you. They're so interconnected. Look at James. This is a famous passage. I know you guys know this, but in James chapter 1, verse 2, he says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Man, that's what we want. We want our character to be perfect and complete. We want our, our work uh, to be perfect and complete. 
But the way that he says here is that we have to endure through trials and allow steadfastness to take its course in our life. If you want to learn how to swim, you can't jump in the pool and then every time say, get me out of the pool, get me out of the pool, right? You're never going to learn how to swim until you embrace, all right, I'm in the water, teach me to swim. And it's the same way in struggles. If we, every time we get into a trial or a difficulty, our prayer is simply, God, get me out of this. God, get me out of this. Bail me out. Get me out. Sometimes we got to pray, God, I think you brought me to this for a reason. Teach me to swim. Teach me how to, to have joy in the midst of this. Teach me how to endure through this. Teach me to be patient and wait for your timing because your timing is different than mine. God, teach me to swim, right? As we pray this for somebody else, think about applying this to that person that you wrote down on your card. Think about how you would pray for them in, in their situation. Maybe you wrote down somebody who has, has a sickness or an illness. Maybe you wrote down somebody who's struggling in their job or with a relationship or with forgiveness, right? And maybe you could pray for them. God, give them your strength to endure. I know what they're going through is, is impossible. I can't even imagine how it feels, but I pray that you would give them the strength to thrive in the midst of it to be patient and to have joy despite the circumstances to your glory so that fruit could be born, so they could know you more deeply. Man, that's a good prayer. I think that's a pretty good prayer, right? Now, the, the final piece of this, and this is maybe the most amazing piece, is he prays for what, uh, not for what they need, but for what they already have. He says, they need knowledge. I pray that you would give it to them. I they need power. I pray that you would give it to them. But I also pray that they would have thankfulness for what they already have. <laughs> they would see that on a scale, what they don't have and what they do have, what they do have greatly outweighs what they don't have. That they would have incredible joy that flows from the fact that they have been qualified by Jesus for an inheritance with the saints. That they have deliverance. That they have redemption and forgiveness of sin, that, that, that they have been bought with a price, they've been purchased, they've been, they've been made right, that, that their sins have been washed away, that they would celebrate with joy. And, and that's why we can come in all authenticity on a Sunday morning, regardless of what's going on in our life, whatever struggles and trials we're facing, we can come in here and we can sing, oh, happy day that Jesus washed my sins away, right? Because nothing that happens today in our life negates what Jesus has already done for us and the great joy that we can have in that. And so a Christian is not meant to live this superficial life with a smile plastered on their face, and they just like, oh, everything's great. It's, right? No, we're meant to live life. We go through the ups and downs, the struggles, the trials. We mourn, we grieve, we, uh, we rejoice, we struggle. But at a deepest level, we have a well of hope that rests in something that lies completely outside of anything that could happen today to us. And that's gratitude. And so he prays for them. He says, I, I'm grateful, and I pray that they would be grateful for the things that you've already given them, and they would not lose hope of it, and they would not lose sight of that. In the midst of the struggles, in the midst of the trials, in the midst of the persecution, in the midst of the confusion, that they would rest solidly in what you have already given to them. And so I want to offer you just a, a few moments here in light of, in light of all of this to pray for that person that you wrote down on your card the first time. Go back, and I want you to, I want you to actually spend a, moment, a few moments praying for this person. 
And I want you to pray in light of what we talked about here. I want you to pray for them to know God's will and, and apply it to their situation. If they're a student, uh, apply it to their, their, their situation as they're going off to college. If, 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 it, if it's somebody who's struggling in work or struggling with illness or what, whatever it is, apply it to their situation. Think about how these things tangibly apply. So pray for them to know God's will so that they um, can walk in a manner worthy and pleasing to him. Pray that they would know God's will so they can bear fruit. Pray that they know God's will so that they can know him more deeply. And pray that he would give them the power and the strength to endure with patience and with joy through whatever it is they're facing. And pray that they would have a gratitude and a thankfulness for what God has already clearly given them and promised to them and ensured them with. Okay, so take a few moments and do that. Apply that to the person that you wrote down or thought of in the beginning. Amen. Amen. Man, was that, a good, was that a good moment of prayer for you? Did it feel like a, a deeper, more mature, more powerful prayer that you lifted up on, on behalf of that person? I hope so. And I hope that you can take that forward and continue to apply it to, to, apply it to yourself. Apply it with adjustment to those who don't believe in Jesus. Pray for those same things that they would know God's will for their life. And you know what their God's will is, that they would receive salvation, right? And then they could move in and experience the gratefulness for all that that he would offer to them. And, and as we close, and I'm going to invite the band to come forward, I just want to encourage you, if you're here today and you've never placed your faith in Jesus, and you might be listening to this, and hopefully you're hearing this and you're saying, man, I want to live life in that kind of way. I want to have purpose. I want to know what the will of my creator is. I want to, I want to know what it's like to endure through a struggle and trial and take joy in it. I want, I, I, I want redemption. I want forgiveness of sins. I want to know. I want to have a peace in that. If, if that's where you're at today, I want to encourage you that that is available for you right here and right now. Today, that God has made it available as a free gift. You don't have to clean yourself up. You don't have to go read up on it. Uh, you've, been, you've received the knowledge that you need for salvation today. And the question is, will you grab a hold of it? Uh, will you take hold of the salvation? And, and you simply do this by placing your faith in Jesus. What does that mean to put your faith in Jesus? It means that you believe that he's the son of God who died for your sins. And because of his perfect sacrifice, that, that the Father now, when he looks at you, he no longer sees you and your sin record. He sees Jesus and his spotless record applied to you. And because of that, that you will be able to spend eternity with him in heaven. And if that's where you are, if that describes what you believe today, uh, then you have received salvation. And I want to I allow you a, a chance to pray with me um, to, re to receive that, uh, to acknowledge that before the Lord. So